Welcome to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein. November of 2022 featured an election that was very successful for Arizona Democrats statewide, including wins for U.S. Senator Mark Kelly, now Governor Katie Hobbs, and the current Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes. The communications director for the Fontes campaign is one of the most successful up-and-coming young guns in the state, if not the nation, on the Democratic side. He's Matt Grodsky, author of the book Righteous Might, How Democrats Turned Arizona Blue, and How You Can Flip Your Battleground State. Grodsky is also partner and vice president for Matters of State Strategies, and he's my guest on this edition of the AZ Politicast podcast, which starts now as Matt Grodsky explains how different the voting electorate is currently, especially with how they find and digest information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And yes, you have to stay incredibly nimble. Uh, you know, we're fortunate here. We've got a, a pretty large team, um, but we move very quickly because circumstances are always shifting. In terms of the electorate, um, you know, we're very privileged to work in a battleground state, uh, you know, where things are always moving very fast and the balance of power really rests on a few percentage points in every election cycle. So uh, depending on who you're talking to, we know that both parties are very baked into their own uh, information bubbles, but you're really competing for that movable middle. Uh, and it doesn't really matter if it's a, a statewide race or a congressional, uh, unless you're in a very blue or a very red district, um, you know that you can win an election by you know four or five points. Uh, so it's very important to follow every type of voter every demographic of voter, whether it's an R, an I, or a D, uh, because that can decide the outcome of an election. When you talk about that middle, there was a lot of discussion, of course, in the past couple of cycles about whether that movable middle is 5%. Could it be as high as 8 or 10%? Is there enough in there to, I mean, Adrian Fontes, with whom you worked very closely, actually had a pretty good mm -hmm. spread in terms of his final victory. But we're seeing so many other races that even some that really don't look like they should be so close, being two and three point races. So when you think about that strategically, how much of that movable middle is there really? That's exactly right. Yeah. So there is there is a, a large quantity of a movable middle. And by large, I mean, I think to your point, it's it's five, eight percent, maybe 10. Uh, our big strategy with the secretary was we knew that we had to build a coalition uh, of voters once we got out of the primary, if he was going to have any chance to win. In Arizona, Democrats are in third place in terms of the voter registration list. Uh, Republicans have the advantage, but independents are growing. Um, so we knew that we had to make sure he had broad messaging appeal to try and get what we call Republican refugees, those Republicans that are kind of in the mold of more of a Bill Gates, uh, you know, an Adam Kinzinger, you know, people that still put country before party and don't really have a home in the MAGA movement. And then the independents, um, you know, those folks that, you know, don't really like what either party is throwing down, but but tend to, you know, move more towards common sense solutions and things that that make sense just for their everyday lives. Um, so that was a huge priority for us in the general election, because we knew that our base would show up. It was about extending a handout and making sure that we could run up the score a little bit. People have always been pretty emotional about their beliefs or which party they belong to. So when you initially start off with this and you're strategizing about what to do and and which voters could be movable, mm -hmm. how much does it have to go into thinking, what are the first couple of steps to either figuratively or literally get in the door to talk with these people? Totally. Well, it's research first and foremost, whether it's polling or market research or you know surveys with voters, you have to you know have strategy before tactics. 
But a lot of it is really speaking to voters at their level, not talking down to them and trying to find universal truths. I always kind of come back to that as is take the partisan lingo out of a lot of these arguments and you really get down to basics. You know, we all want a better future for our children. We all want a safe country to live in. You know, we all have this dream that the future is going to be better than the present, right? So I think making that message resonate uh, with more middle of the road voters and more moderate voters was kind of a key to our success. And then a big part of it was, it was a little unconventional with some of the, uh, the national folks we'd been talking to at the time, but uh, especially for Arizona, we wanted to run ads on Fox News in the general mm. election because we knew, hey, those aren't all MAGA people that are on there, right? Uh, there's going to be some traditional conservatives that get their news there. And we didn't see a huge value in constantly flooding the zone on MSNBC because we felt like we were talking to a bubble there. So uh, much to the uh, criticisms of of some uh, you know other folks in in D.C. And, and across the country, we we went for that and um you know, I firmly believe that, that that helped us with our victory if you look at the margin on election night. As you know, I spoke with the Secretary of State recently, and one of the things that, you know, has stood out to me in my years as a journalist and talking to him is just how real he, he is. I would say real he seems, but how real he is and his willingness to to battle for some of those voters you're talking about. Um, is that unique? And if it is, what can you as a strategist or others do to have candidates maybe feel more comfortable in their own skin or realize at times you don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to necessarily change your personality, but you have to talk to people who aren't already in the choir. Yeah, I love that question. Well, I always joke that um, if I could make a, a candidate in a lab, uh, it would come out looking like Adrian Fontenot. <laughs> we got spoiled with his charisma and his ability to speak eloquently on issues and passionately. Um, but yeah, it, it's about, you know, you don't, not every candidate is going to be an Adrian Fontes. Not every candidate um, communicates in that way, but it is about uh, letting your passion come through in a way that's not overtly aggressive, um, but kind of breaks through the noise. I think a lot of the criticism that politicians find, especially with middle of the road voters, is that people delivering the message uh, can be stale. You know, we can get so hung up on our talking points and what the think tanks are spitting out that everybody starts to sound the same. And I think when you kind of break that third wall a little bit and speak to people again at their level, um, they hear you. And I think that's what every candidate needs to think about doing in their own unique way. And that's a part of my job. Um, you know, most days of the week, I'm fairly good at it, but trying to help candidates communicate, you know, their passions and make sure it resonates with voters. I think about how what a celebrity James Carville became, you know, worked with, with Bill Clinton. So you're working with, in some ways, you're working with a superstar, and yet you have to bring so much to the table as well. I mean, you obviously have great ideas. You're excited about doing this. But how important is it for you to really connect with the candidate and realize that it's it's about what all of you bring to the table and it's not about either the candidate running roughshod or you saying, wait a second, I don't know what the idea is here. How do you keep right. that on a good plan? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate your compliment. That's uh, that's a huge honor to be mentioned in the same breath <laughs> as, as Mr. Carville. Um, yeah, the beauty of of the campaigns we try to work on, the clients we try to work with, and really the symmetry we had with Secretary Fontes is we all realized we were part of something larger than ourselves. Um, it, there wasn't a bunch of territorial stuff where you know it's my way or the highway on Tom's. You know, we were a coalition of team members. Um, you know, we worked with uh, great folks at at OH um, who had real experience with building Republican coalitions. Right. Um, you know, we had Jeannie Lund, who was a phenomenal campaign manager who had years of experience uh, in Democratic politics. 
the secretary knew that, you know, this fight was about democracy. It wasn't about individual personalities. So uh, out of that, you had a, a beautiful collaborative process where you were really able to problem solve and put the campaign and the issues first and kind of get past a lot of the egos that, you know, you can typically find on, on campaigns and stuff like that. So I think we were very fortunate from that regard. If we're hitting the right issues, if you as a campaign manager, consultant, strategist, working with candidates, if you hit on the right issues that really do affect people's lives, how much room is there for bipartisanship? Can that still be a real thing? I think there's more room than people think. And and we kind of come back to, you know, boilerplate level here, something I remember from the campaign. And I, I think the secretary had stressed this from time to time. We spoke with a lot of uh, Democrats. We spoke with a, quite a few, actually, MAGA Republicans. And there was kind of this odd shared consensus that I miss my Democratic neighbors. I miss my Republican neighbors, people that used to you know, chat with each other a lot. You know, maybe their kids were playing high school sports together or they were, you know, friends at a, a country club, something like that. Uh, people miss sharing in relationships with their fellow Americans. Um, and a lot of the times the polarization, you know, on the news divides us and everybody wants to think that we're in camps. But I think on a human level, I think people still, you know, long for that connection. I, I do think that that's still alive. So I think if you can speak on a universal truths level, and kind of get past the noise, I do think there's room. And I, I hope that there's room for more growing conversation, because ultimately, that's how we get back to a healthy democracy in this country. Well, and even just specifically with Arizona, that's, you know, one of the obvious things is water. Can we see, you know, what we saw decades ago, God, the <laughs> 60s, when you had people of different parties? I mean, Carl Hayden and John Rhodes, their, their names are both on an aqueduct in North Scottsdale, because they, yeah. you know, work together on these things. You mentioned people who put country before party, is there enough of that in the state that we're seeing? Or are there just tiny examples? We have to make sure these people get together because if anyone else gets in there. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I hope so. Um, and <laughs> we're going to have to figure it out one way or the other because we all need water. And I'm telling candidates right now, I mean, if you want a, a way to bridge any divide, talk about water, because it doesn't matter if you're a Republican rancher out in rural Arizona or if you're a Democrat in urban Phoenix. Uh, we all need water and we all recognize that um, there's not a lot of it. So um, I think there's going to be different debates over how to solve the issue and what impacts different sectors of the economy and, and who's got the best idea. But I, I think from that standpoint, that's the healthy part of the debate, right? Um, you know, I think when you see things like the terrible Saudi Arabia thing that had happened, I think that enrages uh, voters across the spectrum. People really scratch their heads with that. So I think water will uh, hopefully be our great unifying issue in Arizona over the years to come. And um, it'd be great if we could solve that because I want to keep living here and uh, and we don't want to be thirsty. My final question for you is about, you're a young man. I want to ask you about young voters, not that you speak for all of them, obviously, but do voters who are under 30, how differently do they view what goes on in our politics, in our elections? Yeah, awesome question. So I'm a young guy, old soul, um, which <laughs> is a blessing and a curse sometimes. But I, I really think that, uh, you know, speaking for my generation and that type of voter, whether they're an R or D or an I, um, there's a lot more cynicism, I think, in this generation than what I imagine previous generations had. I mean, uh, my generation grew up with 9-11, the financial crisis, Hurricane Katrina, um, you know, obviously, you know, the the pandemic, uh, the epidemic of mass shootings. Um, we've seen the Trump era and kind of the uh, facade of, of government and how quickly it can crumble when uh, the right stewards aren't there. Um, so I think it's talking at that level. Um, 
with young voters and, you know, not trying to paint this this rosy image of of America, but recognizing that, hey, this is a great country with amazing potential, but you have to work at it. It's flawed, um, but the vision is still there um, in, in kind of speaking to lofty goals and lofty ideals, but meeting them at their level and recognizing that, hey, yeah, it's not all perfect. Um, and we need your involvement uh, to get it there to make sure that 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 better country is realized. So that takes different forms depending on the issue. It takes time, it takes patience. Um, and we haven't cracked the code yet, but I think starting there is a good, good, good place for sure. Matt Grodsky is a partner of Matters of State Strategies, and he's also the author of Righteous Might, How Democrats Turned Arizona Blue and How You Can Flip Your Battleground State. Matt, great to talk with you, thanks. Steve, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks again to Matt Grodsky for being my guest on this episode of AZ Politicast, and thank you for listening. To hear previous editions, please subscribe, rate, and review AZ Politicast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To share guest and topic suggestions with me, send me a note at azpoliticast at gmail.com. That's azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast comes from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Great to have you with me for AZ Politicast.